When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today is Thursday, September 8th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 477 featuring the Ringers' Brian Barrett is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a new edition of Celtics Beat as we sit here on a Thursday recording. Football returns tonight. The Bills, the Rams, that's exciting. Maybe we'll get into just a little bit of that with our good friends from Bet Online a little bit later on in the show. And, of course, the Patriots starting up this weekend. But, you know, this is an NBA, more specifically a Celtics podcast, so that is our focus. And there's been much to delve into since the last time we had a show. In fact, the last time that we chatted with Keith Smith only a week ago it was... Hooray! Gallinari's going to be okay. He's only going to miss a month or two months and don't sign anybody and it's no problem. And then everything went to hell about a day and a half later. Adam no, Kaufman, Evan Valenti, no, Brian no, Barrett. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Adam. Not a day and a half later. It was like an hour later. It, no, it's, it wasn't that, it wasn't that fast. I know, I know historically for us in this show, it's that quick. I don't even think I had finished editing yet. No, 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 because then we would have really panicked and said we wanted to redo the show or something stupid like that. No, it was like we recorded Thursday and I think that came out Saturday or or maybe Friday afternoon. But we we had a full day clearance. Hang on. I'm I'm looking this up. Check it. You go back. You look at the, the tweet history. This what you see, Brian, you may know this. You've been on this show before. But uh, Evan and I, we we have a very unfortunate history of talking about whatever it is we talk about on this show, and then something goes to crap about an hour after we record. Before we even release the show publicly, we'll find out there was some other breaking news. Yeah, that's brutal. And the Gallo thing's brutal too, man. I I felt like everybody dodged a bullet. He was only going to miss a little bit of time. And I was convincing myself too, like, hey, maybe this is going to be good in the long run because yeah. he'll be more rested for the stretch run of the season. Of course, he's a little bit of an older player. I still don't understand. I were DMing about, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand this. So how did they not know originally? Like, was it too swollen to get the results? I still don't understand. Was we Dr. Told- Nick from The Simpsons the one that was working <laughs> on him over in Italy? Is yeah. That the- <laughs> I'm more mad that it came out originally. Like, like I was, okay, we're, we've dodged this. We're over this. We're going to be good. The Celtics are going to have Gallinari back at some point this season i'm more mad that he came out originally that he didn't tear his acl than he actually tore his acl because i got my hopes up yeah 
No, I mean, we knew that there was a problem with the meniscus out of the gate. But but when you start to see the reports, granted from overseas, not from like Celtics team doctors or whatever, but reliable reports seemingly, the ACL is intact. Shams was putting it out there and everybody else. And it's like, all right, okay, you know what? Not the worst thing in the world. Some of the stuff that you just mentioned, we can we can talk ourselves into this being a good thing as we got into with Smith last week. Instead, yeah, they, well, upon further examination, the guy might miss the entire season. What? How does yeah. that happen? I don't know what the hell's going on. These doctors got to get really. it together. I put it on the medical community as a to- as a <laughs> as a group. It's on yeah. them. It's not like, on us. It's not on the newsbreakers. It's on them. I mean, they were yeah. given this information. Listen, we are of, and I mean, blame, I think blaming the newsbreakers that like we, I'm, I'd be okay with that. Here's what I know. Like you, Evan, me, we're not guilty of anything. We just reacted to the news that was out there. Right. Yeah. yeah we're blameless in this thing. It was Fully less than blameless. 24 hours, Kaufman, by the way. It was less I than 24 hours. hours after we recorded the show. It was a full on, and we should have known it right then and there when we had recorded the show, you know, and, and uploaded it and then all the, should have known right then and there was going to be a problem because what a Friday news dump too, huh? Well, it's just this way this show goes. We can't, for some reason, we can't get ahead of the news cycle. Every single whatever news it is, we just can't get ahead of it. We can't like the only thing that happened, truthfully, was the was the the Brogdon trade happened like while you and Keith were recording, right? And it was like one of those things where it's like finally for once, like when the news. Like, so, folks, just to behind the camera here yeah you, you, when news breaks you want to be like one of the first guys after to have it because it's topical you're in the news cycle and you can get in the wash so to speak when you have something about gallo where you're like yeah he's coming back and then 24 hours later he's not coming back your your whole podcast is shot and the only thing that we really talked about was like who could fill gallo's spot and we joked about maybe bringing in Carmelo Anthony, which is no longer a joke. It's actually something they should seriously consider. Well, I, I, here's here's where I think we we did a decent job as we just continue to pat ourselves on the back. Where I think we did a decent job last week, and we'll build on that this week, is at least leaving the door open to well, what you know, what if? Like hypothetically, Gallo's out longer term. Like Keith was floating out. Let's say he doesn't come back till January, February. You know, what do you want to do in that case? And then we started obviously getting to the mellow stuff. But yeah, now we know. We still don't know definitively how long Gallinari is going to be out but you know I I think it's fair to say best case scenario he returns toward the end of the regular season and maybe you could have him for the playoffs I don't think anyone should be shocked if he misses the entire year because let's remember typically an ACL tear even with the advances in modern medicine and all of that you're still typically looking at nine to 12 months so you know i I wouldn't expect gallinari back anytime soon and even when he does come back for him to be anywhere near game shape ready for a playoff run but here's where i want to start as three mildly successful people from syracuse all gather together on a show to talk about a syracuse legend or at least a guy that carried them to a championship in his only year at cuse carmelo anthony i want to begin with this question and obviously brian i'll start with you is Gallinari or was Gallinari an important signing for the Celtics? And it's kind of a loaded question. I am going somewhere with it, but was he an important signing? Is he an important loss for Boston? Yeah, because he gives them respect from the outside, like as well as Grant Williams shot the ball last year. How many times was Grant wide open in the corner, right? Like Mm -hmm. eventually teams are going to guard him, but it never really happened. And it, we saw this in the postseason as well. Remember who was it? Draymond Green famously said after that game, 
he was going through the sheet and he's like, well, Marcus Smart hit this many threes and Al Horford and Grant Williams and like whatever it was, the combination. But the point being is Gallinari comes in with the reputation as a flamethrower. So, for example, you go back to that series where I'm not blaming this on the other players, but all the turnovers from Jalen and Jason Tatum. Well, now if Jason Tatum is dribbling to his left and Gallinari's on the wing, you actually have a decision. If it was hypothetically Al Horford, you'll live with Al Horford taking that three, even though he shot the ball well with Gallinari it's a different type of player. And you go through the past four seasons and I know he played with some really good point guards, but all the numbers with him on the court compared to off the court, the offense jumps through the roof with him on the court. So I believe it was because the two things they needed additional playmaking. And you feel like they got that with Brogdon, Mm -hmm. but a flamethrower. And that's exactly what Gallinari was. So yes, I do think that it was a big signing for the Celtics. And now I think it's a huge loss. And some size and all of that, you know, some, some smaller lineups, some ability to, you know, rest Horford and, and Rob as far as you could play Gallinari at the five and yada, yada, yada. There are some different reasons. I agree with everything that you just said. I agree that even if we're talking about the ninth, 10th most important player on the Celtics in terms of their rotation, a guy who wouldn't even necessarily be a big fixture in a playoff rotation, but would give you meaningful minutes or meaningful spots of, of rest blows for more important players during the regular season. He had value. So where I'm going with this is. Now we're at a point and, and I'll, I'll credit my buddy Landman for, you know, good friend of the show as well for, for bringing this up. And I, I think he's absolutely right. If you are of the mind and he's not, by the way, but if you are of the mind that Danilo Gallinari was an important addition and therefore an important loss for the Boston Celtics, it is now on ownership, not personnel, not Brad, not Zarin and, and so on and so forth. It's on ownership to make it right. You got to spend. You have mm-hmm. to replace that player. If he was an important player, you have to replace him. You have to get a player who can come in and give you more than Sam Hauser is going to give you or more than, you know, a Luke Cornett or a, a larger role for Grant Williams. Or, you know, you need that outside guy who's a veteran who can give you some size, some length, some minutes off the bench, can give you that instant offense. Basically, we're talking about Carmelo Anthony, or we're talking about if you wanted to spend a little bit more into the tax, you know, a difference between, let's say, after penalties, $16 million and $28 million, use the TPE, get Rudy Gay. He's just out there dangling. It's on ownership now. They're this close. There's still the sportsbook favorites to win a championship. When you are this close and you suffer a loss like Gallinari, it is now on you to replace him. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. And I throw out one other name because I, I like the Carmelo Anthony idea. And I do have a soft spot, as I'm sure both of you guys have a spot, soft spot for Melo as well. But we know he can shoot. He shot really well last year on open threes. He was at 46%. The Celtics were on 19th in open threes. But if you really want to get expensive with this thing, there is a fire sale going on in Utah. And it appears that you have a couple of guys there that are going to be on the market. Now, the problem is, and the guy that I'm going to get to is Bogdanovich. I always screw up the first names. Is he Boyan? Boyan, yeah. Okay, so he's Boyan Bogdanovich, who shoots the ball well, although his price, and it's only a one-year contract. It's about $19.5 million, but we know he can shoot the three. He's not a great defender, but neither, of course, was Gallinari. That would be the type of player that you could say, okay, he can come off the bench every once in a while. Well, but how are you, points. how are you even getting him? Well, you'd have to give, give up something and you'd have to make a deal with Danny. Like you're not able to use a TP to bring him in. So you gotta, yeah, you gotta send out like player. Derek White probably. Yeah. You're gonna have yeah. to give up someone with, with, you know, a, a combination of fairly significant salary. Yeah. Or it's 
see, here's the other issue for the Celtics. Not that this is a big problem. It's good long term. They don't really have a bad contract, right? Because ideally what Ainge would want is picks and you could attach a bad contract that they just take on for the season, right? And who on the Celtics is on a bad contract? Really nobody, right? Horford's on a good contract. Now, Marcus Smart's contract is phenomenal. Not that I want to trade him anyway. It wouldn't be worth it. But I mean, think about this. Smart would have been eligible for the Supermax if they didn't get him extended before last season. So, and uh, like, it's a good problem to have, but they really don't have anything to send out. I'm just spitballing here in terms of a bigger player you could get than the Carmelo Anthony, which seems like in terms of the guys on the market, he is the best guy that is available. Well, he's yeah. basically the same player, Ev. Like, it, well, you know, it, I'm not know. saying like historically, like Carmelo, all-time Olympic scorer, and he's a Hall of Famer and all that. But like at this stage of their careers, he and Dal- Danilo Gallinari, they're basically the same guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, Melo's probably a slightly better rebounder, a little more physical, like down low. You know, Gallinari in his you know later ages, like I don't think he's much of a banger anymore. Yeah, I just mean um, they can shoot from the outside. They yeah. can give you some offense off the bench. They'll give you limited minutes. Neither's going to demand a start. They both want to win a championship. Neither's going to defend. But, but Melo's going to give you a little bit. So they're, they are a little bit different. Like Melo's going to give you a little bit more one-on-one play, which they might need. I don't know how much Melo has left in the tank, but, you know, I, I think he's a much better and more capable off-the-dribble scorer, which they're going to need. Um, it can't all just be Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and now they've added – you know, Brogdon and they've, you know, Smart can do it from time. Like, it's always good to have guys that can break guys off the dribble, you know, one-on-one. The, 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 why I was jacked about Gallinari besides the obvious Italian thing is, is that, you know, he's a, a wide open dead-eye three-point shooter. And Melo, as he's gotten older and understood that, like, his role has changed. He's no longer, like, once he went to Portland and got kind of readjusted a little bit, um, and, 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 played on a team as more of a bench guy, but a bench guy that's in to just, you know, get buckets. He's kind of changed a little bit. He can definitely shoot as a wide open three point shooter. He's, you know, more towards the upper thirties, I think last year. Um, I, I would welcome that. So I guess my question revolves more around, and this is something that I don't have time to look up. So they get the, they can apply for the disabled player exception, mm. which is half of what Gallo makes. And now Boston, if they want to offer Melo a contract before they apply for this exception, it would cost them $16 million, even though it only cost them two for the vet's minimum because of the $14 million in tax. Right. If you apply for the disabled player exception and you, you, get the, you are granted that exception, does the contract you offer Mello, because they can offer him half of Gallows is $3 million, that's the vet minimum, that'd be fine. Do you still have to still pay that additional $14 million, Or is it under normal circumstances, what, you know, is it not as expensive because – um, you're getting an exception on a contract you've already had on there, but it won't be useful. That's my only, you know, what is it? What, what is I thought going into sports broadcasting? I wasn't gonna have to worry about this level of math. Yeah, I thought so too. And this is why, you know, Keith sometimes is clutch and, you know, I, <laughs> I just coming down to ownership, wasn't the pain of the tax. Like I agree with that, Adam, if they don't take this seriously and grab a guy that's seriously going to help them, because again, as we all believe, we think, you know, Gallo is a guy that would make a, an impact on this team. You know, from a money standpoint, I don't know if that changes anything. Like, is it that $16 million that we talked about, or is it back down to $2 million because of that exception? I don't know the answer to that. And yeah, and I, I, don't that know, I don't know exactly how that, that translates. Uh, I guess I will say that any articles I've, I've read to this point have sort of highlighted that those same luxury tax penalties for Carmelo Anthony and nothing about the disabled player exception and all of that. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll find something good out from either, uh, you know, 
Bernadoni or Keith or whomever else, obviously, to your point. It's what I think is really interesting, though, Brian, and this is something that Keith, I think it was, brought it up last week, and then Forsberg has since written about it as well, is, you know, we think about Carmelo and and the all right, well, a couple million bucks in the the vent minimum, but then it's again the fourteen million that Evan just mentioned, the luxury tax. So it's a sixteen million dollar contract for a guy that ordinarily you wouldn't want to pay sixteen million dollars to, but because Boston still doesn't have a fourteenth guy signed to the roster, which is a requirement, by the way, you don't need fifteen, but you do have to open with fourteen. Whether it's a, a summer league guy or, you know, one of these guys who came in with non-guaranteed contracts, whomever it is, you sign one of them or you sign Carmelo Anthony and more or less, it's the same money. It's, it's basically the same money. So you may as well just sign the better player. It's just a function of whether Carmelo would we, one, want to come here in the first place. Uh, it's clearly his best opportunity to win a championship, short of, I guess, going back to the Lakers, but I still think this is a better opportunity. And, you know, it's much better than going to the, the, whoever the Knicks or one of the other places that are rumored to sign him. You could wait a little bit if you're him trying to amp up more money, but I, I still don't see him getting better or much better in the veteran men. And there isn't going to be another guy that Boston could sign that could give them that surefire offense. Because if they believe this is just my opinion, if they believed in Sam Hauser enough to want to develop him and really give him a role, Gallinari wouldn't have been here in the first place in the same way that if they believed in Peyton Pritchard enough a year ago, Dennis Schroeder wouldn't have been here in the first place. So they clearly want to lengthen things out with vets, guys that could get them over the hump, guys that weren't there at the end of last year when they ran out of gas and they needed that offense. Sam Hauser, I hope he is, but he's probably not that guy. So you got to go out and sign somebody. Yeah, a couple interesting things there. First thing with the Lakers, I don't know. Did you guys hear Perk say that they could have the best defensive backcourt in the history in the league? Which is just, I mean, he's had a lot of bad takes. I Perk. mean, that that one is right up there. I mean, with his that's number one. Listen, our, our guy Perk is Batman. jumping the shark, man. We're going to have to get him back on this show at some point soon to talk about some of this stuff. I, I don't know what's going on with that guy. but Just make sure you in, carry the hell on while you're at it. <laughs> but no matter what it is in terms of the price, I do feel like I was wondering what the ownership group would do because remember right at the beginning of the offseason, Brad came out and he said, we have the green light. And then he went out and he spent all that money in terms of free agency slash trades, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I do trust that the ownership group is going to be willing to pay. And here's the thing. They did it during the big three era, the latest big three era, of course, Garnett, Mm -hmm. Pierce, and Ray Allen. So you would think they were two wins away from a championship a year ago that they would be willing to put the money out there because they have basically told you that they're going to do it. And it looks like they're going to do it. So if they think that Carmelo Anthony is the piece that puts them over the top, or at least helps them in some capacity during the regular season, go ahead and do it because it's not as if you're giving up something to bring him in. And you can, if you need to make an adjustment, get a role player at the trading deadline, that's still going to be available for you. So if you bring in Melo and he sucks, well, oh, well, then you can figure something out when we get closer to the trading deadline to try to upgrade the roster as you try to make another run down the stretch to get back to an NBA Finals, which obviously the road is going to be more difficult based on, you would assume, the help of some of these teams, mainly Milwaukee. Yeah, I guess what just kind of scares me is that they might think that Carmelo's not that guy. And I know that, Car- like, I have not been, you talked about, like, Syracuse soft spot or whatever, for years of doing this show, and Evan can attest to this, I have been sort of at the front of the line of don't sign Carmelo Anthony. Because the Carmelo Anthony that we were talking about then and the Carmelo Anthony we're talking about now are two totally different players. This one has bought into being a role player and a reserve, and he's 38, and he knows that basically the only thing missing from his Hall of Fame legacy is a chance 
championship. This isn't a guy that is, you know, Nuggets Carmelo or Knicks Carmelo that, you know, is it or or even still like a, a little bit living in denial Thunder Carmelo, who's trying to put a team on his back and and do it himself. He knows that's 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 not who he is anymore. And it's not what we saw with the Blazers. It's not what we saw with the Lakers. This is a guy that can come in and help you. And I, I, again, I, maybe I'm in, in Evan's mind, I'm, I'm, I'm putting them on, on two similar, uh, 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 a straight line. But I just think that if you thought enough of Danilo Gallinari to bring him in on a two year deal for what his strengths and weaknesses are, and I was all about that signing and I'm bummed as hell that he's, that he's out for the foreseeable future. I think the same about Carmelo Anthony, basically, you know, so I just think that it's it's a really easy fix. And I don't know how they internally feel about that, obviously. And, and we haven't really gotten a whiff of that from anybody out there to this point. Like Washburn is one of the guys that's, you know, really sort of spearheading the sign Carmelo and why haven't you done it yet? But everybody else has been kind of quiet on this front. I don't know how they view him. Uh, it seems like nothing is imminent, clearly. But it makes me a little nervous that they could lose Gallinari and then just look at Sam Hauser and say, he could probably do the same thing because no, I, I, I like just don't think rat- he can. I like your rationale on that of like, if you thought Gallo actually meant anything, like cause some people, I mean, Seth was one of the guys that was like, I don't think the Gallo thing was a big deal. And I obviously fought against that quite a bit. Um, then, yeah, you have to take the injury seriously. You have to fill the spot seriously. And the problem is there's not a bunch of guys left over at this point that it could really help you, you know, when you first sign guys in free agency and you're looking around, like there's obviously a bunch more names, but we're getting closer to training camp and those guys just aren't there anymore. And, and Boston still has this thing about filling up back a big spot too, that we talked about yeah. ad nauseum at this point in the summer, because mm-hmm. it's the only thing they haven't done. So now you have to weigh this particular part of it too. Do you, do you try and get a big, you know, I, I feel like cab's going to end up being the guy. You know, I know they, they, we've heard a lot about Luke Cornett, how they trust mm. Luke Cornett. I think Cabin Galley could be end up being the guy just because they might have to put a little bit more energy and a little bit more thought into the Carmelo Anthony thing or X player who's going to fill the spot thing. So I, to me, it makes the most sense considering your options. That And, again, I agree with Adam. You take this seriously. But Melo just kind of checks more boxes than anybody else. And, like, Rudy Gay <laughs> – I guess, like, I don't know. I, I'm not, a, I, I haven't been a big Rudy Gay fan in a while. Um, and he's a little bit younger. Um, you know, they shoot relatively similar from three point range. Fills a similar void with guy that's, you know, past his prime and understands his role at this well, point. Well, you got to pay an additional 12 or 13 million for Rudy Gay. Right. Like, if, if, if you want to, you know, quote unquote, cheap out for Carmelo, which is not cheaping out, you know, to, to credit ownership if they do it. You know, that like, dude, I'm fine with doing that before gay. Uh, Brian, here, here's something we're however many minutes into the show that we haven't even mentioned. And retiring Herald legend Mark Murphy and a good friend of the show mentioned this. He tweeted this to me the other day. How about the fact that Jason Tatum would be all about it? Tatum's out yeah. there liking posts about Carmelo joining Boston. You know, one one of, you know, we always talk about the Tatum-Kobe thing, and obviously that was a very real thing, but Carmelo was right there too. That's another guy that Tatum grew up emulating and 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 wanting to be and idolizing and all of that. Like, let's 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 kowtow to the, to the superstar, folks. Let's make it happen. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And by the way, both Jordan brand guys, and Tatum's yep. about to get his new sneakers, so that's big as well. But I completely agree with that part of it, and I brought that up. Uh, on my pod recently is just if you look at it so Carmelo Anthony's really lived what three NBA lives he's a star 
And he, at the end of his stardom, he becomes the guy that can't win a championship, which from mm-hmm. my perspective, it's like, what team is he supposed to win a championship with, with Iverson and the Nuggets? I mean, the Chauncey Billups team was really good, but you're dealing with Kobe and Paul Gasol at that particular point in time. So I didn't really understand the argument where he was supposed to win with who, but he never really had a great team around him. Now, some of that was probably his fault, like demanding to get traded to the Knicks earlier than he needed to, because he could have just signed there in the following off season. But you go from that to not washed up, but not a superstar yet, and not willing to accept that role with, remember, first Oklahoma City, where he said, wait, me come off the bench? He didn't want to do that. And then he goes to Houston. It doesn't work out there either. And then he has to sit out, and he comes back with Portland. And those guys, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, they like having him around. And he's sort of accepted where he is in his NBA life, if you will, unlike guys we've seen recently Allen Iverson couldn't do it once he wasn't a superstar. He was done, right? I mean, he was done after that. And I would say it seems like a very similar scenario is playing itself out for Russell Westbrook. I mean, the guy can't accept where he is in his NBA life, if you will. And Carmelo, it seems like from that perspective, has already passed that. He's already passed himself. And to your point, Adam, these guys looked, I mean, Carmelo, Anthony, and LeBron, remember at the beginning of their careers, all those games are on national TV. Mm-hmm. Carmelo won a national championship. Carmelo is a massive star. And I do think the players would get a kick out of having him around, right? I mean, think about how long that season was. Seven games against Miami, seven games against Milwaukee. You had to play major minutes down the stretch of the regular season because you had to catch up in the standings after the hole you put yourself in. Just having him around, I think it would help out. And I can't believe I'm saying this because obviously 10 years ago, I wouldn't have said this. But from a camaraderie standpoint, I think it'd be major for this team to have a guy like him around. I got to tell you. You mentioned the like Carmelo and the Rockets. And I know he was only there for like 10 games or whatever it was, but whether it's an, if I'm even remembering these right, like Patrick Ewing being a Sonic or Hakeem Olajuwon being a Raptor. Like I, I have such a blind, I don't even really remember Carmelo being a Rocket. Pierce is a I wizard. Such, I, I have such a blind spot for that. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's amazing. I like in, in, in a month, I will forget that ever happened. Like, I won't even remember us discussing it. The only I reason barely, I remember it, I was in Houston at the time. It's the only reason I, I remember it. I barely remember the OKC stuff. I was rallying off in my head, and I was like, oh, yeah, I think he played a, a cup of coffee with OKC. It's I think he was there for, like, a full season. Like, yeah. like, 80 games. And Billy Donovan wouldn't bench him in the postseason. Yeah. So that was, like, <laughs> Donovan Mitchell's rookie season. And Mitchell, they just kept getting mellow switched on to Mitchell, and Mitchell was just roasting him. And that's because <laughs> Billy Donovan, young coach, this is legend Carmelo Anthony. He wouldn't put him on the bench. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm with you. I I think we're it makes pro. a lot of sense from a camaraderie. Can standpoint. we make a negative? Or, what's the negative? Because we we're all pro camaraderie. I'm I'm not sure. The negative all right, is he all right. Washed. So listen, the 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 negative is, and it's it's not our money, but from an ownership perspective, the negative is spending. You know, an extra fourteen million dollars in luxury tax or whatever, because they're at a point where they're spending it's like four and a half dollars for every dollar they spend. So that's that's why the the penalty is so severe. So that uh another negative would be let's say Carm uh Danilo Gallinari comes back earlier than expected and he's good. Now you got these two guys you're gonna have to bench one of them. You know, they're not both gonna play. They're redundant. I'm just I don't care. I'm just saying like I mean, if you're, if you're like email your Brad, you're putting that on the list probably. Another would be you're not even giving a chance to developing Sam Hauser. 
you know, they're they're and you're committed to him for another two, three, four years, whatever it is at this point. So you want to see ideally he's a young guy or has a reputation for also being a shooter who isn't much of a defender. You hope to you'd love to see if you can potentially harness something there. And obviously, if you're burying him behind yet another guy. That is a negative in the same way that people like you and I have, you know, bitched about like, why isn't Peyton Pritchard getting an opportunity here? Well, it's going to be that same conversation with Sam Hauser all over again for a young guy that could then then latch on somewhere else and and be a, a good serviceable NBA role player. So that's, you know, but but I feel like we're kind of reaching like I, I don't I don't feel like there's any overwhelming negative to signing Carmelo Anthony. I really don't. I would say that the two negative things you alluded to one of them, obviously, I mean, it's a low hanging fruit, but he has a traffic cone defensively, but you say, okay, he's not going to play major minutes in a postseason game. So and he's, he's say, never that's gonna not play that big of a time game. in the regular season. Right. I mean, exactly. But the other component is just, if you look at the players that the Celtics have and the two signings they made, obviously Gallo being one and Brogdon being the other, and you look at some of the guys on this roster right now, considering Mello is older, it's just... The depth appears to be pretty good right now, obviously hurt by the Gallo situation, but a lot of these guys have an injury history, right? Mm -hmm. And that was sort of the thing with Gallo. We knew there was an injury history there. More specifically with Brogdon, right? That's why the cost, it appears like Brad stolen, but the reason it was there is because just go look at Brogdon's basketball reference page and look at the games played. That's Mm -hmm. the reason it didn't cost you much. Marcus Smart, we know, has had an injury history. Jalen Brown, like, quietly has an injury history. He's Mm -hmm. always dealing with something. Horford is an older player who had an incredible season last year. Can he duplicate that? So I just look oh. at it and right. So that that would be my thing is this Rob, team obviously. Rob, yeah, massive and and you'd like to keep him under 30 minutes a night. So that would be my one thing is just you're bringing in another older player with a team that isn't old although it has some older players and a lot of the main pieces of this team there's major injury history there so you could end up being thin really quickly if the mellow situation doesn't work out yeah can we get to the money thing real quick because yeah. this is the one thing i mean joe lacob has basically been like you know we don't really care we'll just keep spending and then he was mad that that got out cuz he's like oh people will just keep spending with us Cause that's one of the things they were like, Oh, financially, we're just, you know, we're way better than everybody else. So we'll just keep spending as much as we have to keep this team together, which is exactly what you should do. Uh, we all know the caps going up dramatically with this new TV deal. That's going to come down the pike, but they're also going to get more money because they're going to add two more teams to this NBA league. And I'm pretty sure when they purchase and put new teams somewhere, like don't the owners get a piece of the, the dues that, so there's more money coming into the NBA very shortly. I mean, it's, it's, so it's to me, like the money thing to me is kind of a, a really, and look, it's not my money. So I guess it's hard for me to, to but it's a kind of a bad excuse considering all the, it's the number two league in American sports by a long shot. I mean, I don't know well, if you guys are one of the most valuable franchises. Look at, look at, I don't know if anybody saw Yankee stadium in, in, in game one of the double header the other day with, with Minnesota. Now I understand. Yeah, I saw you tweeting about it. There were they like six a, people there. And 11 people behind the plate. <laughs> 11. That would never happen in any NBA game. Never, ever, ever, ever. So like it's in a, the NBA is in a really good place. It's going up, 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 up. You're getting more revenue coming from TV deals. You're going to add to like th- spend now, like do it now while you have when, you know, when you have a team that's worth spending for. And I think they determined that 
pretty early that they, they need to have a team. You know, this team is worth spending for the discuss the NBA finals and the two best guys in the team are 24 and 25. I, I just is- don't let last year become lightning in a bottle. Like don't, don't let last year become this, this perfect storm, or at least, you know, mid January on this perfect storm of, you know, Oh my God. Like for the first time in, for, in, in, for like 2008, you know, we're fully healthy for a deep playoff run and, and, and it's, it's ours for the taking. And they came up a little bit short. Don't let this next year, don't let a, a lack of, you know, going a little bit deeper into your pockets be the reason that you can't get there. Or, you know, hopefully, and this is beyond anyone's control, hopefully just a, a parade of injuries doesn't happen. You know, knock on wood, hopefully we're beyond the the COVID totally derailing a team season. I'd, I'd like to believe that anyway. That was much more of a, you know, 2020, 2021 thing. But last year, things from that midpoint on, or really from 50 games on because the first one, they started 25 and 25 things could not have been better. They could not have broken more right short of falling short. Those last few games in the NBA finals, I would hate to see them enter this year as the odds on betting favorites. And then just see this steep regression because X, Y, and Z transpires. Right. And like you have questions looming over the franchise long-term, right? And, the Jalen situation is just so fascinating to me. I'm sure you guys have talked about this, but just, I mean, the, come up, yeah, yeah, it's come up a little bit. His, his playoff run and especially the finals is so unique to me. Like his shooting was ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. the, to see where he's come as a shooter is just unbelievable. I mean, he was a flamethrower. The running plays just to get him coming off screech. It was unbelievable. At the same time, <laughs> felt like he lost his mind and forgot how to dribble, which is obviously a concern going forward. But the bigger thing, of course, is the free agency looming in two years. So this season coming up, it's going to be major that this team makes a similar run because then does Jalen think like, Hmm, maybe I and now I don't believe Jalen could be the number one option on a team that is consistently in the top six in the Western or the Eastern conference. I think he's perfectly suited to be the number two guy for Jason Tatum, but based on everything that sort of transpired in the off season and look, the guys that he's been rumored to be traded for are Kevin Durant's Kawhi Leonard, and Anthony um, Davis. Anthony Davis. So okay. Yeah. Guys that are like going he's, he's to the guys. Hall of Yes, going to the Hall of Fame. But I could see how that would rub you the same way that now this is the third time that it's come up. So I, I do wonder what happens if things do go south this year for the Celtics. Now I still I still think they're gonna win the most games in the Eastern Conference, but that Bucks situation and that Bucks team is gonna be a totally different animal. So if it does end poorly for the Celtics, which obviously nobody hopes that happens, but the Jalen dynamic is another reason to go all in now, secure the championship, try to get the championship, and then you're not worried about these things long term. It's like when Dwayne Wade won his first championship with the Heat early, and I understand at one point it got ugly like after the Big Three era, but you were like, okay, he's going to spend his career here. Same thing with Dirk, even though they didn't win a championship, they're getting there, they're competing at a high level. You feel like, okay, he's not going to leave. I just want that to be... A similar thing. I feel that way about Tatum, but I can't say that I have 100% certainty or close to it with Jalen just because of everything that's went down. It's funny you bring that up. This is a, a whole other topic for another time, especially when he's not like nearing free agency. But I've sort of said what you've just said, except about Jason Tatum in the past. Like he just, I I don't look at him and I, I don't know why. I, I don't know what it is that I'm looking for him to say or do that would make me feel differently I've just never felt it during his ascension 
that he's a Celtics lifer. I, I would like him to be. He just he doesn't strike me as I don't know something. I I would be more comfortable saying I could see Jalen Brown sticking around long term than Jason Tatum. What could Tatum I, do for you to make you feel better? I'm just I don't curious. I. I think not throw the ball can, out of the Cardinals yeah, can, game. Can, can he call me? Can we talk through this? I don't know. I don't, I'm not saying it's based in like anything rational either. So this yeah, is like, we have that. what's that? At least we know you're not being rational. About no, I mean, there's no like, there's no like headline here. Like, you know, Kaufman Tatum's leaving soon. Like it's, you know, it's nothing like, I just, I don't know. I don't feel like it's not some sort of like some stupid, like he's not a true Celtic or something like it's nothing like that. It's, I just don't, I don't know. I, there's, there's, there, there's a little bit of hired gun in him. I think there's a, there's Where? a, little, there's, there's what's, I don't Where? know. I don't Where? know. It's like what, what part of Jason Tatum's personality that we complain we don't get to hear enough about makes you think he's a hired gun. Is it I don't hear a lot about him. I, I, I don't know. It's like it's, I, I, it, it's sort of in the same way that I, I never thought Kevin Durant was going to stay in OKC forever. You know, I didn't see him hopping from team to team to team to team and whatever, you know, and who knows, you know, where he goes next, but I don't believe he's going to retire a Brooklyn net. I don't think any of us does. There's just something about Tatum that like, I, I could see negotiations with him getting really, regardless of how they go internally, getting really antsy for the public. You know, people. Yeah, like, it should be easy. You hand him a max contract. Here you go. Sign it. We're done here. Okay. They, they could pay do that, him they, way more than anybody else. They could do the same exact thing with Jalen Brown two years from now. You think it's automatic? Brown to take it? What if Brown to Brian's point? You know, or part I of Brian's he point? Won't, he, what if Brown says like, I maybe I could go be the number one somewhere else? I don't think he'll take because of the way people have talked about this. The way the TV money is structured, it doesn't behoove. Jalen Brown, and that's actually Tatum on for you. Jason, um, <laughs> well, you have conference him in. <laughs> I think you have TV rights coming up to the point where it it behooves Jalen to finish this contract, then sign a one year contract for Max, and then do the Max deal. I guess let me let me put it this because way. they because they can't offer him because they this is where not signing the Max the first time actually kills the Celtics, I think, right? Because they didn't offer him a full max the first time, they can't offer him a full max. Well, that wasn't their fault. Time. They offered him as much as – or you, you're talking about Brown. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, well, they just yeah. couldn't sign him early. Like, it, yeah. it makes no sense for Jalen to sign that contract early. No, for sure. Early. Yeah, you're, yeah, you wouldn't take it now if you're – I guess I'll put it this way, and, and, and Evan, by all means, I want to hear from you, but I'll, I'll ask Brian the question first. If let's say, God forbid, you know, I say this from a Celtics fan perspective, God forbid over the next two, three years, Celtics, they just don't get it done. And I don't mean like perennially in the finals don't get it done. I mean, you know, there's a disappointing second round exit in there. They get to the conference finals one or two more times. Maybe they don't get back to the NBA finals. Injury or whatever else, whatever contributing factor holds them back. When Tatum is approaching free agency, you don't think there's any chance that he could look at it and say, well, I want to sign and trade. I want to go somewhere else. You know, so I'll still make my max money, but I want to go somewhere where I have a better chance to win. It's just for whatever reason, I've been in Boston for about a decade. It's not happening here. Or I'm willing to take a little bit less and one year less to go somewhere else. And on the back end, I'm just going to make up the money anyway. 
You don't think yeah. that's at all possible? Well, I think if it, if it is, then it's down the road, right? Because he just agreed to that max contract recently. So I think we're a, a ways away from getting to that point. But I understand, like, the We're idea also talking about a guy who's 24. Right. But, like, if you look at it, this is what, like, not irritates me, but looking back at the run last year that is sort of aggravating is just, like, you never know when you're going to get back, right? Like Oklahoma City, and look, it's not like the Celtics traded the equivalent of Harden away, which was just an inexplicable move at the time, and it looks even worse now. But I don't know. Max Drews is a good player. <laughs> yeah, but Oklahoma City, they probably felt like they were going to keep getting back there, and they never did. So, I mean, that possibility could be there for the Celtics, but I still think based on the rosters that they're going to get a lot of bites at the apple. And I think with Tatum, a lot of these other guys get unhappy. They feel like, okay, like, for example, LeBron, he felt like the organization was failing him with the team that he they were putting around him. And the good thing about what Brad inherited, it feels like, okay, well, the infrastructure and the main pieces were there because of Danny. Tatum himself, Jalen, Robert Williams, and Marcus Smart, sort of those core four players. And now what I really like about Brad taking over, which I'm sure Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum appreciate this more than really the fan base does where Brad says, screw the picks. I mean, it's like less need in the NFL with the Rams. I don't care about the picks, right? I'm getting rid of Kemba's contract. We have to do that. And Al was way better than anybody thought he was going to be. Same thing with Derek White. Remember a lot of people in the national media crushed the Derek White trade because they said, oh, that's too much for Derek White, where it's like, okay, well, we, we just need more rotation pieces. We don't care about the 27th, 28th, whatever pick it ends up being in the draft. We need more rotation and pieces and we need a deeper team. And then he does the same thing this offseason with Brogdon. So until the front office starts to fail Tatum or something dramatic happens with Jalen Brown, I can't envision him wanting to leave because he's in one of the best situations in the NBA for a superstar to win a title. I mean, this team is incredibly deep. Ev, I, I did come up with, while Brian was talking, I, I did come up with a rational reason, though. <laughs> if, if, okay, you ready? This It's a very basic one. And it doesn't, it, it applies to anybody in the league as much as it applies to Jason Tatum. It's 2022. How often does it happen anymore? How often do we see a guy spend his entire t- career oh, or yeah, the, yeah. the, Tim the, the well, this, majority of his entire career it's with a like team? Dirk and Tim Duncan, and that's really about it now. And, and I compare, like, even, I mean, Pierce probably would have done it, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, but the opportunity was too good. But was like, yeah. Spent most of his career in Boston and is a, 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 a monstrous figure in Boston, no question. What um, about Deuce? What about if he's waiting for Deuce to play in the NBA like LeBron? Could that be it? Yeah, but we don't we, we don't know Deuce LeBron's is almost already Bronny in LA. Oh, <laughs> Bronny's already looking ahead to seeing you know like who's who's positioned to have a top whatever pick in in that year. Yeah, you know, he'll he'll play with Bronny, and we've been saying on this show for years. I don't know why this is a story now. We've been saying for years these two are going to play together, and LeBron yeah. was going to wait this out, but it might not be a Laker. They're going to do it in Vegas under John Henry's. Oh, no, 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 no. It's ridiculous. Bill had it a while ago. Playing he, in Seattle. No. Penguins, he, Liverpool. What else does he need? Uh, I don't, Worry about Raphael Devers. Raphael Devers okay? is what yeah. we need. Jeez. Good God. All right, real quick. That's a, as good a segue as 
as uh, we're going to find here anyway, to go into our, our good friends at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Maybe we can get odds on Raphael Devers' next team. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, of course, is back, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, golf, you name it. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, live in-game betting props, futures, and beyond. NFL season is here, as mentioned tonight. You got the Bills at the Rams. I like the Rams in that game, plus two and a half, by the way. I don't know how these guys feel. Uh, Patriots are plus 500 to win the, uh, the, the divisions. That's not great. Uh, plus 2,800 to win the conference, plus 5,000 to win the Super Bowl. God, it's depressing. For all things NFL betting, make sure you go to betonline.ag. You can bet on division conference super bowl like i said for any team across the league not just the bats place a wager on the exact outcome within divisions you could bet on which team you think will score the most points in the nfl the bills by the way are plus 600 to win that uh head-to-head uh you know you could you know matchups between the the patriots and and jets this year how that goes you could bet on that whatever you want to do go to bet online today use your mobile device join today make your first sports bet please do use our promo code clns50 to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit before we do wrap this uh little portion of the show up though ev we're, we're in that time of year like you're normally giving me your nfl picks now are, are you ready uh yeah, I like the plus two and a half with the Rams there. This is something um that a lot of people, if you look at guys that really do this decently well, a lot of home dogs and a lot of them at this point, we don't know what anybody's doing. So you can get some really good value pending, you know, what you're looking at here. Um I do like the the Rams plus two and a half. That's one that um I have circled on my list for sure. Um, there are a couple others, but some have come down since last time I've seen them. Like Detroit's down a plus four. That was at, at least six or seven when I looked at it last time I looked at it. Um, I kind of like the Jags on the road in Washington a little bit at plus I'm two. I'm thinking about half. that too. Um, there's something I was talking, I was talking to my, myself about this as I was walking my dog yesterday. There's something about How this. Loud two- or is this like in, no, in my head? Okay. I, I was listening to, uh, another podcast and I was thinking in my head, about this Arizona plus six. We've spent all offseason cream in Arizona for the weird offseason they've had, and they have no Hopkins and, and, uh, you know, Marquise Brown's their number one. And, you know, they, they just lost Chandler Jones off their defense. Like they, it just doesn't look good. But for some reason, like they'll just come out and at home getting six points against the Chiefs, like just, come out and play really well. And for some reason, I kept looking at that, looking at that, looking at that, and being like, no, don't even touch this game. Because you, it, it just – like, I got burnt – I'm still mad. I got burnt last year. Rodgers, no receivers, on a Thursday night, went into Arizona. And I got a tease down to, like, a, a, a .5. I had it – like, all Arizona had to do was win. And I was in the clear. <laughs> like, I, and Kyler is driving down the field at the end of the game, and he threw a pick – in the end zone, I forget what guy. And I honestly could not believe that I had lost the bet because Rodgers had no one to throw to. He was throwing – I don't even remember. He wasn't throwing to anybody that I can remember. Maybe Brandon Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon. Yeah, but it was That's like it. You know, there was no Devontae. There was, and, and I was like, I could not believe like this happened to me because everything that you could possibly think went – the Cardinals were 7-1, are playing at home. 
no receivers to Rodgers. You're teasing it down to all the all the Cardinals have to do is win the game. And I still got smoked on that. For some reason, I keep coming back to that, and I can't quite figure out what I want to do. Uh, Minnesota's lines come down to plus one. They're a home dog this week. Dallas plus two and a half, even though I don't know if I would I would do it. But look at some of the home dogs this week, and I would I would give those uh, probably where you should put your energy. Colts, I should mention that's I think they're still seven point favorites. That's my survivor pool pick to open up this uh, this this season. But uh, Brian, I'm putting you on the spot here. Do you have a favorite NFL bet of the week? Patriots money line. I hope you're right. <laughs> I yeah, hope you're I, right. I, I, I'm in the same. I picked the same team for my survivor pool too. Colts. Last year, I got knocked out in the first round. The first week of the season, I got knocked out. It's so brutal. Yeah, I bought back in. So this this year, I'm just like, you know what? I I feel like I'm going to go with the bad opponent. So it was like them or the Jets in terms of picking. Was it the Jags last year? Was it the Jags week one win? I think it was Atlanta lost. I think I picked Atlanta to win, and Atlanta ended up losing. But I, I just remember I bought back in. I, I I lost like five weeks later, too. So it like wasn't even worth it. I was horrible in the survivor pool. But I took the pats on the money line because it's not worth taking the spread with them. It makes more sense if you think they're going to win to take the money line because there's more juice there. Oh, yeah. My bet is Mac against Tua. My bet is not on the rosters. My bet is that somehow after what happened last year, they can expose – Tua this season because he beat him twice last year. That's my hey, bet. My bet is anti-Tua. Them? Yeah, my bet is anti-Tua. It's not pro-Patriots. Well, there's no you're, Brian. You're, you're Matt Judon, basically. You, yeah. you don't admire him. You barely respect him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Done let's get <laughs> Yeah, exactly. One more in there. Where the game starts. All right. Uh, some a little bit more on the Celtics here. For anyone that missed it, and I encourage uh, you know go onto the CLNS YouTube page, check out the interview if you haven't. It's only like seven minutes long, something like that. Our own Bobby Manning, who was uh, part of the Garden Report, has his own show as well. He uh, no theory, by the way. Uh, another Syracuse guy worth mentioning as with all the Carmelo talk. Uh, Bobby went, uh, last Saturday. So a handful of days ago went to, uh, chat with Marcus Smart. I think he was the only one that went there to talk to Marcus Smart. Sort of, I don't know how that even happened, but he went and, uh, you know, exclusive one on one. It was a young game changer, uh, his foundation. Uh, they had a pop up shop selling some stuff. Just some of the highlights from that interview that i uh wrote down marcus is uh not quite a hundred percent yet he's feeling better than he was in you know june july but he's not quite a hundred percent uh players still have not spoken with each other all that much about the finals loss they've just kind of dealt with it internally so far and then uh when they get to camp and they've started to shoot around together but when camp opens and they really get going marcus thinks that's when they'll kind of have uh you know, bear their souls with each other and then officially turn the page, but they're still not over this thing. Uh, he has not really chatted with, uh, Jalen Brown all that much about the frantic summer. He's chatted with Brown plenty. Brown, uh, has a good head on his shoulders. He's walking around smiling, doesn't think the, the summer of trade rumors and all that is bothering him. In Smart's mind, he takes this from personal experience. Uh, he thinks being in trade rumors is a sign of respect and he should uh, appreciate it. He said, if your name doesn't show up in trade rumors, it means nobody wants you. So uh, Jalen should actually be uh, happy with the fact that he's been all these uh, in, in all the Durant drama. Uh, the Gallinari injury, it's a bummer, but he hasn't really chatted with him. And Malcolm Brogdon, he's he's known him for years, and he's excited and can't wait to play with him. So uh, th- those were the highlights. You know, you can go back and listen if you just want to hear Marcus's, you know, personal take on these things. But 
Um, hearing that or hearing the interview, I'm not sure which in, in your case, Brian, is, is was there any sort of big takeaway from Marcus's mild media availability? Well, I do like how he, he spun the Jalen Brown thing, right? Because it's like, well, I've been in a lot of these, so it's not that big of a deal. In fact, it's a compliment. I, I would like to be in the room when he talks to Jalen about that because I, and look, maybe Jalen is over it, but I have to imagine when it's like Jalen's on a different level than Marcus Smart is in terms of where he's at in the NBA, so to speak. So I do wonder how he does feel about that. I do wonder like what Brad said to him, like if Brad actually did have a, because I mean, obviously what they're going to put out there through the media is that everything's good. And remember Brad came out and said, basically, we never got too serious about the actual trade offer with Kevin Durant. So I do wonder if Brad had to sit down with Jalen to sort of explain where everything's at right now. And to his point about Brogdon, I've always felt like the Brogdon thing, it's not as much competition with smart as it is like Brogdon and Derek White. Like, can't you guys see times when it's Derek White closing the game and not Brogdon? I can't see, and I know it happened in the postseason one time last year, but I can't see a scenario where Marcus Smart isn't in the closing lineup and Brogdon's in instead of Marcus. I just don't see that being a realistic scenario so I, I let's also not presume full health for everybody well yeah I I think you want to add Brogdon you want to add Brogdon's size to this whole thing like if you have if you add Brogdon's size to everything it, it, again my point when I got absolutely roasted on Twitter for this trying to explain to people that the big point guard thing is what makes Boston very good and makes them a difficult matchup for people. Brogdon just adds to that. He adds more size at that spot, but he can also guard up and guard down. So if you have two guys, I mean, the beauty of the Celtics is defensively by adding Brogdon, they've somehow been the best. They're the best defensive team in the league last year, and they added to their defense with another good defensive backcourt player. Boston has, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know how Perk picked the Lakers when his own team has significantly better defensive backcourt than the Lakers do right now. But like Boston legitimately has between Jalen Brown, you can Jalen's a guy that's a wing slash like guard, but Jalen Smart, Brogdon, and Derek White, good luck with all of that. Those guys are going to be a pain in the ass for a lot of people. Um, I don't think, and I've never said this. Like, if you if you look up anybody, anybody that's watched Marcus Smart the last seven years or however long he's been on the team at this point, I don't even know. He's always the guy you want in the floor of the end of games because the offense. It might drive you nuts, but you do like 17 things on defense that are going to change the last five minutes of the game. So Brogdon, we haven't seen have the ability. To, if Brogdon starts doing that, then fine. But like we know that Smart can do that. I, everybody and the staff is comfortable with Marcus doing that. I think entertaining the idea, as as uh, Brian put it, um, like he's not coming in to take Smart's minutes. He's coming in to take Derek White's minutes, and that's exactly correct, 100%. Well, we're closing in on an hour here, which feels like an appropriate time to probably get out of here and start to look ahead to Thursday night football and plan our weekend betting for football on Sunday, or at least around my kids' soccer activities anyway. But any, uh, I don't know, any prevailing Celtics takes on the way out the door from either of you? No, the one other thing I'd say about the smart situation is, like, one of their most successful plays last year was the Tatum-Marcus Smart pick-and-roll, like, without a traditional big involved. Like, that's how Tatum got some of those easier isolations. So I, I, I'm hoping that they dig into that a little bit more heading into next season. And one thing I would like to see from Tatum is just – and look, the guy is already one of the 10 best players in the NBA. The one thing I'm wondering about, because I watched the – Drew. did you guys see the Drew Hanlon video where he's now working on a fake uh, yes. step-back? 
I mean, yeah. and he's going into a floater, which is my thing that stuck out to me because if you look at some of the elite scorers in the in the world, Luca and Kevin Durant, they're really good in that area. And it's not like Tatum's bad in that area, but Luca's over five attempts from that particular area in the court a game. And I do wonder if that's sort of the next step for Tatum where we know he can hit the step back three. We know he can actually hit pull-up threes. He was much better from March on. And I believe those numbers will hold up, not to the extent they were, but pretty good. And he did a much better job getting to the basket in the second half of the season. I wonder if that next step for Tatum, because we saw the improvement from a playmaking perspective, but if that floater is next for Tatum, because so many of the elite guys in terms of scores, Devin Booker, who Tatum's a better player, but Booker's got a nice floater. I wonder if that's what he's working on this summer. Once again, or go ahead. No, I don't open things up for Tatum too. It'll just be, yeah. his life will be a lot easier if he just adds that shot. You know, you, you won't have guys waiting for you. Uh, at, at the rim, so to speak. They can't afford to back off you like that. So that's a huge shot for him. Well, this show is, uh, again, powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Brian Barrett, he's been on the show before, but uh, this is the first time that I've been able to join this, make it a three-man party. Brian, appreciate it. And, uh, you know, congrats again, obviously, on the new gig over at the Ringer. I know that, uh, you know, be- between Bill Simmons and, KOC and, and others, you got plenty of Celtics, you know, centric voices over there. But if you're ever looking, you know, for, uh, for someone for off the pike and you're bored, you feel free. You, Evan and I are a DM away. We can hop on with you and chat all things Boston. For sure, fellas. I appreciate it. And it was a lot of fun, man. I see we're so caught up in the Patriots season and the ineptitude of the Red Sox that it was nice to just talk some C's, man. There you go. I'm focused on the one team in town that's poised to win a championship right now. As long as there's always at least one and it's not, you know, 0 for 4, which it hasn't been in many, many years. That's, you know, we got that going for us. And uh, in closing, folks, and, and thanks to all of you for listening, obviously, we just real quick, is this thing on? Signed Carmelo Anthony. Okay, bye.